The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and thanks for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. Today's show is all about honoring yourself. And this is certainly something that is an ongoing part of life. It's just part of the journey of life. It's not like you can say, okay, well now I honor myself and that you don't need to pay attention to it anymore. It's just one of those ongoing themes. And a few weeks ago, I spent the day with a uh, friend doing chair treatments. And throughout the course of the day, I saw 18 people. The treatments were custom-made, and I started each session by asking the individuals if there was something specific that they were dealing with, or if they had any pain in their body. And then based on the response that I received, I proceeded with the treatment. Sometimes I added coaching or teaching on specific areas that match the needs of the individuals. Now the reason I'm telling you this is that there was a common theme that surfaced with most of the people that I treated. In some way, the equation between honoring others and honoring themselves was out of balance. But don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand. They were all very well-intentioned individuals. Some of them were caring for family members. Others were trying to keep up with the relentless tasks at work. Others were dealing with health issues. But the bottom line, really, would really how to keep everything into perspective so that we're able to factor our own needs into the equation of our lives. And so often we forget to consult ourselves and we just um, automatically respond to others when people are in need. But So the individuals that I met and cared for during that day really inspired me to share information and And some of my own personal experiences and then some suggestions from uh, myself and from other people in the field um, that can help to point you in the direction of finding the solutions that will help to put you at the center of your own life. So I just want to start off with a simple distinction that you can use as a foundation for understanding this topic. There's no wisdom in honoring others 
at the exclusion of honoring yourself. There is no wisdom in honoring others at the exclusion of honoring yourself. And I certainly had first-hand experience with this many times throughout my life, and I, in earlier years, was in a healthy, unhealthy, very unhealthy cycle. And I was caught in it for a long time. I was that kind of person that was always there to lend a hand to others. It started in my family of origin, as most things do. And as I've mentioned previously, I come from a family of ten. That's ten siblings and then my parents. And I was willing, I was a willing participant, offering to help in any way that I could, often tirelessly and endlessly doing chores and caring for my siblings and my parents. Now, these early ingrained habits stayed with me for a long time, even long after I left my family home as a teenager. And many years after that, I recognized that caring for others was a role that I took on as a way of fitting into my family dynamic. Oh, true, the chores needed to be done. And true, I wasn't, if I wasn't in overdrive doing so much then others would have needed to pitch in more. That's also true. But yet beyond that, really my focus was somehow wrapped up in the whole experience of honoring others and doing that by taking care of them. I was honoring the family home by ensuring that things were orderly and honoring my siblings and my parents by caring for them. I learned really important things during that time. I learned about service. And I learned about giving of oneself. About loving others unconditionally. I was living to serve and serving to live. And naturally then I did the same thing with my friends and everywhere I went I was that helpful person doing chores and caring for others and in ways naively thinking that somehow that this would take care of me. You know, we just uh, had the recent Passover um, holiday with my family and it was so nice. All of my family was in town and my son as well who stayed with me for a few days and in practicing my own art of honoring myself I was certainly pleased to be relaxed around him. You know, not in a mode of doing and caring and fixing or offering to help or making helpful suggestions. And it really was a relief for me, as I imagine it was a relief for him also. It was interesting one day I went over to one of my sisters to visit with her and some of the other family members that were in town. And on my way to the kitchen to fix a hot drink for myself... I just picked up some of the dishes on the table and maybe spent five minutes loading the dishwasher and wiping the counter while the kettle was boiling. And one of my sisters that lives out of town commented, Oh yeah, there's Leah doing her thing, you know, doing the chores. Well, I tell you, what a great feeling I had inside. It was really a celebration for me to turn to my sister and share with her that I am no longer that young girl doing the chores. 
that now I do things only by choice, only when I want to. I no longer automatically jump up from the dinner table and magically restore order to the environment. And what a relief that is to be in choice and then to serve when that's really what you feel to do. Now, I saw a posting on Facebook this morning that said, we have two hands, one for helping ourselves and one for helping others. And there's the balance. That's the balance, really, that we're looking for right there in that equation. One hand for helping ourselves and one hand for helping others. Yet what I was describing in earlier times, I was using both my hands to help others. I did it at home, at school, at work, with my friends, in the neighborhood, day in and day out. Now, if someone asked me for help with something, I just automatically said yes. Before really considering if I had the time or the energy or the inclination to help. My life was a perfect example of honoring others at the exclusion of honoring myself, which is a very imbalanced equation and a recipe for burnout. You know, I was always there for my family and friends, and in the middle of family disputes or when my friends were upset, there I was trying to keep the peace. I was trying to support everyone and getting involved and upset and emotionally drained over things that had nothing to do with me. Now, fortunately, many years ago, through the kindness and support of a close friend, I was able to disengage myself from the middle of the dynamics with family and friends. And what a great thing that was, a, a whole new perspective. And I want to share with you a little excerpt from Byron Katie, who is the founder of something that she refers to as The Work. That's the name of the transformational program that she offers. And I, I particularly want to use it as an example because it's a, such a succinct way of looking at things. And no doubt this simple information will be invaluable to people that find their thoughts and their energy caught up in dramas and traumas and struggles of others, whether it's at home or at work or at play. So Katie asks, whose business are you minding? Whose business are you minding? You know, we hear that from our childhood. We always say, people would say, well, mind your own business. But really, it's such a potent thing. Whose business are you minding? Notice when you're hurt that you're mentally out of your own business and in someone else's business. So if you're not sure, just stop and ask mentally, whose business am I in? And Katie says there's only three kinds of business in the universe. Mine, yours, and God's. So an example of the first, whose business is it if an earthquake happens? 
She says God's business. Whose business is it if your neighbor down the street has an ugly lawn? Your neighbor's business. And whose business is it if you are angry at your neighbor down the street because he or she has an ugly lawn? Well, that would be your business. Kitty says that life is simple. It is internal. And suggests that you keep track in five-minute intervals. Keep track of how many times you are in someone else's business mentally. Notice when you give uninvited advice or offer your opinion about something, whether you do it out loud or silently. And ask yourself, am I in their business? Did they ask for my advice? And perhaps even more importantly, can I, ask yourself, can I take the advice I am offering and apply it to my life. I just love Byron Katie's approach because she has a way of just putting it out there in simple terms that are unmistakable. And it is a good question to ask. Can I take the advice that I'm offering and apply it to my life? And you know what they say, you teach what you need to learn. Well, I know for myself the whole experience of honoring myself is something that is an ongoing aspect of my daily life. Always, there's always choices that you're making throughout your day that have to do with choices to honor yourself or honor others. And ultimately, it's wonderful when we can find what some people say a win-win when what it is that I'm doing to honor myself also is honoring other people. You know, that whole idea of minding your own business, honoring yourself, looking after your own needs, or putting yourself first, it can really be the beginning of a new way of life. You know, a way of shifting your focus from getting involved with the concerns of others to honoring yourself and using your energy to take care of the details of your own life. And I noticed since I made that switch in my own experience with my family, you know, if I ever find myself getting involved with someone else's business in the family, and especially if I've done it in a way that has been upsetting to somebody else, it's just such a, um, a deep sense of uh, humility and relief to be able to just apologize and say, oh, sorry, sorry for getting involved in your business. So I really encourage you to uh, take that and, and try it for yourself. It, it could bring a lot of um, uh, relief and uh, a lot of deep peace to yourself in your relationships with everybody, not just your family, and even in your relationship with yourself. Marlena Kirshner, Marlena Kirshner, is a marriage and family therapist, and she provides guidance about creating better boundaries through self-awareness and expression by honoring yourself with healthy boundaries. And this was also another area that was so important for me. 
I'm going to share some of her information with you today. She she talks about defining yourself and your relationships in many ways. And we set our boundaries and our limits. When we do that, we're defining who we are. You know, a boundary separates us from other people. Now, obviously, our skin marks the limit of where our physical body ends. We have another boundary that extends beyond our skin. And we notice that when someone stands too close to us. You know, we each have our own comfort zone around us. An intimate partner can come very close. And a friend can stand closer than a stranger. But someone who is hostile or unfriendly or unpleasant, we want to be as physically far away as possible from them. But it's good to know that boundaries are not just physical. They're also emotional and spiritual. We have sexual boundaries and relational boundaries. And we define the boundaries by what is safe and right for us. So we have our own set of feelings, reactions, and beliefs. And we use our boundaries to define and protect ourselves. It's important to know that we have the right set of personal boundaries and that we have them respected. And it's just as important for us to respect the boundaries of others. Now, when we're young, we're dependent on our parents and caretakers to protect us and create a safe environment. If our boundaries were violated at an early age then we can have a distorted sense of what is acceptable and what is not. And if there was an expectation growing up that we conform to the needs and feelings of our parents, well, then we can feel that we don't have a right to our own unique beliefs or feelings or desires. We might even have trouble as adults defining ourselves as separate from others. But expressing oneself, asserting your will and your individual needs, having separate thoughts, separate feelings and opinions, these are all part of healthy child development. And parents are meant to support that, that growing individuality by providing safety and encouragement. Yet, there are many parents that lack this type of knowledge and that lack these skills and the patience to do this because of their own wounded backgrounds, their own situations that come from their own family origins. And boundaries can bring order and a sense of empowerment into our lives. Without healthy boundaries, one can feel out of control and even sometimes stuck in situations that are hurtful. A very common problem can be not knowing what our limits are or an inability to say no to what we don't really want to do. A simple example of this is being a workaholic. You know, someone who's constantly working or helping others and leaving little or no time for themselves. But in some cases, people are not aware of what they are doing until they get sick or angry or just burn out. 
And then on top of that, low self-esteem or a wish to please others or a compulsion to feel needed can further compound the problem. So this is a boundary dysfunction that can be corrected. Anyone can learn to set clear boundaries and take better care of themselves. It's a process of identifying your needs and feelings, as well as developing the skills to express yourself. So clearly the way that you set boundaries is affected by what you learned in your family. You develop various survival strategies to define yourself. And creating boundaries any way that you can in order to feel safe and protected. Boundaries can be expressed in general, energetic, just in the general way, your style. Or it could be more by setting limits with others around a specific issue. So here's an example on one end of the spectrum. Boundaries can be hard and rigid. You know, things like they're cast in stone, they say. And within, it could be so rigid that you're defensive and you have a hard stance. And the behavior that would go along with that might be maybe you're angry or blaming others or you might be distant or even be hyper-independent. This would be a stance that says, really, you know, don't mess with me. I'm tough. I can handle it. And then on the other extreme, boundaries can be soft and permeable, passive, and be more of a placating demeanor. And in this position, one becomes very diffused and soft and passive, with a refusal to define oneself and a general tone really of being very merged and accommodating and mushy. And this posture could be more like, I'm too nice to have a conflict. I'm just going along. So we each have our own individual style of boundary setting. And I encourage you to take some time to consider where would you really place yourself on this continuum? Consider how you react when you're under stress and also what kind of environment you grew up in, which may have fostered a particular kind of style. Now, healthy boundaries can be developed and can be learned. And characteristics of health in limit setting include flexibility, safety, relaxation, and protection. And the ability to set healthy boundaries can make us feel balanced, center, really centered and grounded. And how wonderful is that? You know, people who react from more of a hard defensive manner need to learn how to be softer and more connected to other people and more able to compromise to listen, and to be receptive. And then on the other extreme, those with very soft boundaries, they could do to learn to be more assertive, independent, 
and defined. But with both styles, it's important to be able to adjust to different situations in a grounded way that honors yourself, yet still allows you to be connected to others. And learning how to set healthy boundaries, well, it's an important set of skills that are needed in developing intimacy and handling conflict. Now, for myself, my boundaries were repeatedly violated at an early age. And this left me with a distorted sense of what was acceptable and what was not. And from my experiences of early childhood, I had tendencies towards being accommodating, you know, that accommodating, mushy, passive approach to personal boundaries. Because conflict was something that I tried to avoid as much as possible. And then during the years of perimenopause, I tended to be on the other extreme. You know, the don't mess with me approach. Now I like to think that I have found a place of balance somewhere in the middle. Having the ability to make firm boundaries and deal with conflict when necessary. Yet I'm also able to be flexible when needed. And I think even more than that, the most important thing I find with this is to be mindful. To always be mindful. So that you can self-correct if you find you're going a little more, leaning a little more, a little too far sometimes on that place of being more rigid. Or the other way of leaning a little more on the side of being too passive with it. So something to keep in check, something to be checking from time to time as we go through our lives and have the experiences come up, the situations and circumstances that show us, oh, I see, I need to put a limit here. Let's check in with Patricia Spadero, who's the author of Honor Yourself, The Inner Art of Giving and Receiving. And she shares about the importance of creating healthy boundaries as a path to honoring yourself. And in Chapter 3 of her book, she has a litmus test that can help you determine if you need to put some extra time and energy into this area of your life. She says that drawing healthy boundaries is more than a cute turn of phrase. And proper boundaries that lead to self-care can actually keep us healthy. And more and more scientific research is showing that chronic stress, which is a symptom of imbalance in the flow of giving and receiving, has a direct link to our health. That's right. Chronic stress is a symptom of imbalance an imbalance in the flow of giving and receiving. That would be a good one for us to remember so we can bring the balance back. We understand what's gone off in the equation. When we're feeling overstressed, that it's an imbalance in the flow of giving and receiving. One study indicated that women who were experiencing chronic stress or who perceived that they were undergoing high stress had something called telomeres inside their immune cells, 
that had undergone significant aging. And telomeres are the section of DNA at the tips of our chromosomes. And Dennis Novak of Drexel University College of Medicine said that this important study demonstrates that there's no such thing as a separation of mind and body. The very molecules in our bodies are responsive to our psychological environment. So there's no separation of mind and body. Our molecules respond to our psychological environment. And also that other studies have linked stress, helplessness, hopelessness, and suppressed emotions to the onset or even the progression of cancer. So when we don't draw necessary boundaries and learn how to replenish ourselves, when we suppress rather than express our needs, then we can jeopardize our health and jeopardize our lives. So here's the question then, can giving be dangerous to your health? Well, certainly if it keeps you from acknowledging and stating your valid needs, then yes. If it detracts from your ability to continue giving joyfully and abundantly to others, then yes. And if your giving to others stunts your own growth, then absolutely yes, it can be dangerous. And I can certainly personally relate to this. I'll give you an example. Last year, after caring for my elderly uncle for almost two years in my home, I was clearly way out of balance. Over those two years, I only put my uncle in respite care when I needed to go out of town. And slowly over time, I became depleted. And like many, many people do under stress, I started reaching for old, unhealthy habits. I was not honoring myself. It took me being out of balance, way out of balance, for me to realize that I needed to have regular time off every week. So for this past year, my uncle's been going for regular respite care. And this is allowing me to have time at home alone every week. So this was a great solution to the balance, the, to balance the equation that was out of balance and to be able to honor myself and also to honor my uncle. Here's a little quote from Bill Cosby. He said, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everyone. The key to failure is trying to please everyone. You know, there are times when sacrifice is called for, certainly. And there are times when, in the extreme, sacrifice can harm you and others. So do you balance sacrificing for others, withdrawing boundaries, so you can focus on what's important to you and reinvest in yourself? So here's this litmus test from Patricia Sad. Spadero, and it will help you to find out where you may need to make adjustments in your own life.
So here they are. Do you automatically say yes whenever anyone asks for your help or needs a problem solved? Or do you politely but firmly set boundaries when you need to? Do you always put yourself at the bottom of your to-do list? Or do you regularly ask yourself what you want and need and then schedule that action into your day as a priority? Do you allow people or events to pull you away from your plan? Or are you literally leading your own life by setting your direction and acting on the values and goals that matter to you? Do you let friends or loved ones consistently monopolize conversations or bullying you into going along with their decisions? Or do you speak up? Clearly express how you feel and stand up for yourself. Would you rather please others than have a confrontation with them? Or do you challenge invasive and inappropriate behavior and correct others? Correct their misperceptions, even if it means that they may not like what you have to say. Does the way that you give to others prevent them from doing their share or from moving forward on their life's journey? Or do you drop boundaries so that others do not become overly dependent on you to their detriment? Do you hide behind your sacrifices, filling your time doing things for others, to avoid embracing your own calling? Or do you put a priority on developing your own talents so you can give your gifts to others? So examining why you find it difficult to, tra to draw proper boundaries is not necessarily hmm, easy or a comfortable task but it's certainly a very well worthwhile activity. You can't really truly heal unless you deal with whatever the underlying issues are at the core of your own symptoms. And to discover why you may be giving so much to others without giving to yourself, consider starting with this understanding. When people avoid doing things, it's usually because they fear what it will bring. So ask yourself, what do you fear will happen if you draw a boundary or if you don't sacrifice? Are you afraid that saying no will make others unhappy? And do you believe that it's your job to make them happy? Are you afraid that if you don't do what other people want you to do, that they will reject you? Or do you believe that you have to be compliant in order to be loved? 
know, these are important questions, and don't be afraid to engage in some some deep searching in yourself to understand what's driving you if you are consistently putting others first. Once you acknowledge why you might be addicted to sacrificing yourself, then you can begin to counter the myths and retrain yourself to react differently. Now, over time, you'll become better at catching yourself before a situation gets far out of hand. You need to give that message to yourself that it's okay to be loyal to yourself first. You have a right to hold your own opinions and defend your rights and to make your own decisions and to have the life that you want to create for yourself. You can choose to be around people who are supportive rather than domineering. And you deserve companions who are interested in what you have to say and don't feel the need to suppress you. So all of this really is about honoring yourself. You can honor yourself. Hmm. It was in the beginning as you're setting these uh, personal boundaries, here's some useful questions that you can ask yourself to reveal where you are really in your relationship to honoring yourself. You know, do you have a hard time standing up for yourself? Do you keep agreeing to do things that you don't really want to do? Perhaps you tolerate rude customers or pushy people because you can't handle conflict. Or maybe you take things really personally. You know, life coach uh, Cheryl Richardson says that creating stronger boundaries is the number one way for most women to improve their lives. And she shows us how to stand up for ourselves to set personal boundaries and to free yourself from what she refers to as the disease to please. And she uses three steps to do that. And please know, men who are caught in this cycle will also find the suggestions helpful. So step number one is all about self-awareness. So, for example, pay close attention to the situations when you lose energy, or maybe when you feel a knot in your stomach, or you want to cry, and identify where you need more space or more self-respect, or energy or personal power, this would be the first step. And Cheryl suggests asking yourself another way that you can identify this would be by completing these statements. As an example, she uses people may not. And then you would give examples of what your boundaries or your limits are in terms of your relationships with others. And just some examples would be people may not go through my personal belongings, criticize me, take their anger out on me, humiliate me in front of others, tell off-color jokes in my company, invade my personal space. So those are just some examples to get you going in the right direction to help you make, what's your list? What's your list of people may not? And then the second question would be about, I have a right to ask for. 
then make yourself a list of things that you have the right to ask for. And some suggestions would be, I have the right to ask for privacy. Or even a new hairstyle from my old stylist. Peace and quiet while getting a massage. Help around the house. More information before making a purchase. Or quiet time to myself. So those are just some examples of answers, possible answers to the question I have a right to ask for. And then the third area is, the third question would be, to protect my time and energy, it's okay to, and then you would make your list. Some examples are, turn the ringer off on the phone. Take my time returning calls or emails. Change my mind. Bow out of a volunteer activity. Cancel a commitment when I'm not feeling well. Reserve a place in my home that is off limits to others. So those are some suggestions for you in terms of making your list. To protect my time and energy, it's okay too. So this was step one, which is all about self-awareness. The three questions were, or the three lists to get yourself to think about are, people may not, I have a right to ask for, and to protect my time and energy, it's okay too. And then the second step would be in setting boundaries. You could start with simple but firm boundaries, you know, with a graceful or neutral tone. And it might feel uncomfortable at first, but as you take care of yourself, then the personal power you gain, it'll make it a lot easier. So you want to make sure that you have support in place for each conversation And if you can't find support from a friend or a family member, you may be able to find support online. And it might be helpful to vent any strong emotions that you have with whoever your support person is before you have your boundary conversation. And then use simple and direct language. You know, to set a boundary with an angry person, you could say, you may not yell at me if you continue I will leave the room. To set a boundary with personal phone calls at work, you could say something like, I've decided to take all personal calls in the evening in order to get my work done, so I'll need to call you later. And to say no to extra commitments, you could try something like, although this organization is important to me, I need to decline your request for volunteer help in order to honor my family needs. To set a boundary with someone who is critical, you could say that it's not okay with me that you comment on my weight. I'd like you to st- I'd like to ask you to stop. Or if someone is speaking about somebody else in a critical way, you could say to them that you're happy to speak about it and share about that individual but not in that way. 
And then to buy yourself a little bit of time when you're making tough decisions, you could try something like, I'll have to sleep on it. I like to take some time and not make decisions right away. And then for backing out of a commitment, I know I agreed to heed our fundraising efforts, but after reviewing my schedule, I realized that I won't be able to give it my best attention. So I'd like to find a replacement for myself. And then to set a boundary with an adult child who borrows money, you could say I won't be lending you money anymore. I would love it if you would take responsibility for yourself. So really, Cheryl's suggesting that when you're setting boundaries, there's, there's no need to defend or debate or even over-explain your feelings. Just be firm and gracious and direct in an even tone. And when you're faced with resistance, you can repeat your statement or your request or back up your boundary with an action. It's important to stay strong because if you give in, then you're inviting people to ignore your needs. And then step three is about strengthening your internal boundaries. You know, too often we, ne we, we neglect to stand up for ourselves by avoiding, we want to avoid confrontation. And she's suggesting that one reason why women take things personally is because they have weak internal boundaries. And an internal boundary is like an invisible shield that prevents you from taking in a comment without checking it out first. So, for example, when someone accuses you of being arrogant, you could stop and consider the statement before you actually take it in and react to it. And when you use this type of internal shield, especially with difficult people like an ex-spouse or a critical parent or critical friend, then it can give you the time to ask yourself some questions like, how much of this is true about me? How much of this is about the other person? And what do I need to do, if anything, to help me regain my personal power or to stand up for myself? And then the last question is really an important one. You know, too often we neglect to stand up for ourselves and avoid confrontation, but we want to strengthen our internal boundaries. You know, and guilt is a common response in setting boundaries. So to overcome guilt, you have to be ready to make tough choices to change your lifestyle. And it can be one of the most debilitating obstacles is feeling guilty when you're trying to make priorities for yourself. So to overcome the guilt, just face it head on. See it as a sign that you're on the right track. And then to overcome resistance, you could tell people your priorities have changed and that you're taking care of your own needs. And then when you feel your own resistance to focusing on yourself, remember that when you put yourself first, you're then fully available to others without resentment or anger. And find support when you're starting to make priorities for yourself. You know, it may feel uncomfortable and uncaring, but stay with it and find the support from other women who are doing the same thing. 
but it's really important to be gentle with yourself. Your needs might be very different from your friends or your co-workers or your family members. You may need to establish boundaries in areas that other people you know don't need. And as well, you may need to respect other people's boundaries that make no sense to you because you don't have those same needs. But it's important to not judge yourself or others for whatever your needs are. Sometimes, you know, because of the distortions from childhood, it can feel uncomfortable to even acknowledge that you have needs. Especially if you've had difficulty getting your needs met when you were younger. You know, at times people can try to over overcompensate for this by striving to be overly self-sufficient and self-reliant and may have difficulty asking for help or even receiving help when it's offered. You know, sometimes the whole situation with that equation of the giving and receiving equation, sometimes what is off with that is that your energy circuit really is closed in terms of energy coming back into you. So again, even if people are offering to help, even if people can see that you could use some help with things, if your equation, if your energy circuit is closed, it will be difficult for you to just open and to receive and to let that in. It takes a little bit of yielding in order to do that. It takes that experience of being willing to be vulnerable and willing to just let go and allow yourself to be supported. You know, it is, a, uh, it is an art, for sure it is an art. And it is something that you can practice and something that you can, you can learn to actually be good at. You know, practicing saying no is really an important, important aspect of this. It's not, a, it's not essential that you say yes all the time. You know, I remember going through that with uh, members in my family, and, and sometimes, you know, people would ask me if I could do something, and, and I would suggest to them, you know, it, it would be better for me if you could keep looking to find somebody else, but if you can't find someone else, then get back to me. And that's a way of still being open to the possibility of, you know, that maybe you are the only person that can help them, but at the same time you're saying it's not your preference. Please try to find somebody else first. You know, another really essential aspect of wanting your, honoring yourself is about setting healthy limits for you. It's part of human nature to go through cycles of having more self-restraint sometimes and then other times of being totally indulgent. But the important thing to recognize within these cycles is to be extra mindful when, you're, when you are being self-indulgent with things or with activities that are actually unhealthy or could lead to health concerns if you indulged in excess or if you indulged all the time. As an example, a real simple example, if you treat yourself to sweets once in a while, then it truly is a treat. However, if you eat sweets in excess all of the time, then this can lead to problems with your health. To be a healthy, happy, and adult, 
it really necessitates being a good parent to yourself. And good parenting involves setting healthy limits. Not unreasonable limits, or not limits just for the sake of setting limits, but setting limits that are appropriate to whatever the activity or the task is. And the setting of limits is not to limit something, but it's to encourage health, it's to encourage safety, it's to encourage wellness. You know, similarly, if you're using food or cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, work, sex, gambling, friendships, TV, shopping, Facebook, or, or any number of other things that we use to self-soothe, or instead we use these things instead of dealing with our emotions or setting healthy boundaries for others or healthy limits for ourselves, then really our relationship to honoring ourselves is out of balance. Now the experience of honoring yourself requires daily care and daily attention, and daily attention to, you know, details of life, like fresh air and fresh water, good hygiene. So all of healthy the food choices that we have been discovering you know, here in our sandbox called the world, relaxation, healthy interactions with others, time for self-reflection, meditation, plenty of rest. You know, just notice where you are in your relationship with yourself in these areas. There's no doubt that we could all use some time to reorganize our lives to ensure that we are getting our daily requirements. Remember, there is no wisdom in honoring others at the exclusion of honoring yourself. It's really important to put yourself in the center of your life. And to know that it's not necessary to have to fight or to argue for your right to be yourself. And that really, you are the best person to honor yourself because no one knows you the way that you do. And some of us need to, you know, for some of us it would be a good idea to take the time, really, to go deeper in ourselves, to be more in a, a state of inquiry in, in terms of who we really are. Sometimes we're caught in just reacting with our reflexes of things that we've always done or the ways that we've always done things. Yet at the same time, we're hearing another voice inside, another voice, a truer voice of who we are, trying to encourage us to let go of our old ways and to, if you like, uh, renew and get up to speed with who we are in the present. Part of honoring yourself is having room for yourself to grow and room for yourself to change and to be interested in new things and to let go of old interests. We're multifaceted, fascinating human beings, and honoring the self is no small feat and not something that you is fixed. 
It's something that is an ongoing journey and can bring much joy and much delight. So I really encourage you to think about the things that I presented to you today. And you know, you know the areas that are right for you. You know the areas that are important for you to focus on right now, whether it's your health or your relationship, your relationships, your work environment, your home environment, speaking up for yourself, whatever it is for you, you're the wise one. I appreciate you tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I'm your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. If you're looking for me on the net, you can look at leahbrendasmith.com, on Facebook, Leah Brenda Smith, or Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.